Hey, good morning. It is seven minutes after the hour. Coming up in about half an hour at 9.35, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be with us. Uh, we've got um, a, a pretty good uh, roster of uh, guests on the program today. Uh, but we're going to kick the program off with uh, the epic news. Epic news is, it's epic. Uh, they don't know how to spell their name, but they're epic. Uh, and right now, I'm pleased to tell you that uh, the Supreme Court reporter, Matt Vadnam, is with us. Did I, Matt, did I destroy your name? Is that right? No, it wasn't a bad attempt. Um, Vadim, Matthew Vadim. Okay, well... Uh, <laughs> you, got, you get it phonetically anyway. Yeah, well, I, I do this to people's names all the time, so don't don't feel as though it's uh, <laughs> anything personal. Uh, no, all right, of this, course not. The, uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, the first thing is, uh, we don't know who did the leaking. Did you uh, look at, you know, who all they questioned? Did they miss anybody? Is there a group they didn't ask? The group they didn't ask much about was were the justices themselves. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they, they had them... Uh, sign a statement, they I did, think. They didn't put them under oath. They didn't make them sign affidavits, uh, unlike the other hundred or so court employees. Huh. Did, so they just took their word for it. Did you do this? And they said no, and they went, okay. Uh, that's about right, yes. Do you have, uh, you know, you've been watching the Supreme Court pretty carefully for for quite a while. Do you have uh, a gut feeling one way or the other? Because I don't. I can see why either side might have leaked it. Yeah, I, I, I don't really either. I, you know, what, you know, they could have leaked it. The uh, uh, some say that um, a conservative justice leaked it to um, to to stiffen the resolve of his side to make sure that. Uh, uh, or her side to make sure that um, uh, the justices did overturn Roe v. Wade, and then others say that uh, uh, you know liberals might say that they they leaked it. Somebody, a liberal justice, leaked it um, uh, to intimidate the conservative justices from going forward and overturning Roe v. Wade. So um, you know both are possible. Um, you know, for all we know, it could be Chief Justice John Roberts who hates change. Um, but you know, that's just a theory. There's no, no proof to back that up. Well, I, I think it's gone now. I don't think we're ever going to find out. I, I don't, I don't think they're ever going to follow up. I don't think it's going to go any further. No, if they didn't find out, um, if they didn't find out in the first go around, they're probably never going to find out. Uh, or, if, if, or if that's assuming they didn't find out. Uh, for all we know, they did find something out, and they're just not telling us. Okay, so what we so, got is a, a basket full of nothing. Um, all right, let's... Basically, let, yeah, yeah. Basically, but it's still one of the, you know, the most shocking um, breach of uh, protocol and decorum at the Supreme Court ever. The first time that, that uh, you know, there have been bits and pieces of... of of deliberations and opinions leaked out in the past, but never an entire draft opinion. Um, you know, dozens of pages long. This is this is a first. Unprecedented. 
Um, there is a woman who apparently made a mistake. I think she was living outside the country, and the IRS went after her uh, to the tune of, I think, a couple of million dollars. You covered that story. Um, what did the Supreme That's right. Court... That's Tell right. Us... This was the... Yes, this was the case of a, um, a woman whose um, um, father escaped the, 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 the Nazi Holocaust and um, relocated their family to... Um, to um, Argentina, I think, in South America, and he put aside, um, I think it was three or four million dollars, four million dollars in a bank account um, in Switzerland before he died in, I guess it was 1999, and um, she didn't, um, uh, after he died, she didn't know that there was a, a, a reporting requirement under U.S. tax law, U.S. tax rules, and so she didn't report it right away. And then years later, she discovered there was this requirement to report the existence of a foreign bank account. Um, and um, she complied and she was um, she paid a fine of like $50,000, 40 or $50,000. Uh, and that was initially fine. Uh, that penalty was fine, according to the, uh, I guess that's a pun, it was fine, right? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, it was fined by the IRS, and then, and then the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, changed its mind and decided to fine her the maximum civil penalty of fifty percent of the value of the accounts, um, which is two point one million dollars. And um, she fought this uh, in court, and um, she lost in the lower court, and she brought it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court. Uh, on on Monday decided um, not to hear her appeal. And uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch thought that this was a great potential injustice and wrote a passionate dissent saying um, that this was this was wrong and that the court should at least um, um, take a look at this. And this is seemed like a really harsh, uh, inappropriately harsh um, civil uh, t tax penalty. And so that's what what happened with that. So well, it looks I, you know, like this, this, this injustice is going to stand. Gorsuch is my favorite justice on the court. Um, I've been so impressed with his honesty. Uh, and this is um, what did the IRS say? What was what was her argument? What is she, was she just saying this is confiscatory and it's wrong, uh, or? Did she say this, you know, the law is written bad? What, did, what was her argument? I guess her argument was that um, that this was a, a violation of her um, her due process rights and her rights under the, um, the Eighth Amendment, you know, against cruel and unusual punishment, specifically the excessive fines clause in the Constitution. So... Um, uh, the, the the argument was that um, that uh, that this, this was a requirement that um, the large penalty didn't constitute. Um, I guess her argument she she the court found the lower court found that it wasn't a fine as such that it was a penalty and that somehow this is different and so therefore the Eighth Amendment prohibition against the excessive fines clause didn't apply. 
and um, and she disagreed and said that this is a you know that this is a distinction without a difference, and um, and that she's was entitled to um, to her day in court um, uh, to to rebut this argument that the government had raised, and um, the government was the government the Biden administration is is fine with this penalty and um, and supported um, levying. Um, it against her. There's a there's a similar case that's actually that the court did grant um, um, review in Sushirare and called um, uh, the Bittner case, and that is coming up. That was already argued before the court in November, and we're awaiting a decision. This was a Romanian-born man, um, uh, didn't file forms. And he was fined about fifty thousand dollars, but then the, later the IRS increased the penalty to two hundred to two point seven million dollars. Um, yeah, yeah, based, basing it um, not upon um, the actual requirement that that he had filed the forms, but a pay, but a, you know on the number of accounts that were involved. So when the IRS wants to hurt, wants to punish you, they they have a lot of power to do that, and um, in this case, this woman's name was um, uh, Toth, uh, and Toth, Miss Miss Toth, uh, Monica Toth, who's now in her eighties. In the current case, um, is arguing that that um, the requirement under the um, it's called the bank, the Federal Bank Secrecy Act, and the requirement that she report the accounts is under um, the foreign bank and financial accounts reporting requirement, which they know by the acronym of FBAR, F-B-A-R. And um, she, uh, uh, you know, is is suffering a, a penalty of, of 50% of the funds that, that her father set aside for her as an endowment to protect her um, in case... Um, in case she had to flee uh, persecution in a country um, as he did um, as a Jew in um, in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. Let me ask so, you this. How, how many justices have to say, yes, let's take the case for it to be to be taken by the Supreme Court? There's a rule of four. Four out of the nine justices have to agree. So several. So several. Review. So several uh, justices that we might think lean conservative, contrary to what uh, uh, Supreme Court, uh, uh, contrary to what Ro- Roberts says, they do lean politically one way or the other. Which of those supposedly conservative justices, if you know this, said, no, let's not hear this? Only Justice Neil Gorsuch. The others were, were silent on the matter. Wait a minute, and Gorsuch said doesn't. yes, right? Gorsuch said, let's yeah, hear the Gors- case. Gorsuch dissented, that's right. He said <laughs> he dissented against the denial of certiorari, to put it in legal terms. So he get, he dissented against the decision not to hear the case. Right, so who... Not to have an oral argument. So who no on the other side dissented. said, let's not do this? No one. So Only Neil Gorsuch said... So, so the, everybody else said, was just silent? So the other yes. ones were just silent. Yes. 
and they don't include and when the, when these votes happen they don't include um, a breakdown normally so you just have to assume that the other eight justices um, voted to um, um, to not hear the case so well that's kind of that's kind of disturbing yeah. to me anyway uh, you would have thought that the conservative justices would have wanted to hear this uh, I'm, I'm baffled yeah, well, they, you would you would think that but sometimes they don't take cases that um, for various reasons they don't think it's a good case or it's not going to go anywhere or um, the, the the fact situation is bad um, and it could lead to a tainted decision. Um, there's all sorts of reasons why the court, and I'm not justifying their behavior, I'm just telling you their thinking, they just a few days ago um, refused to um, uh, interfere with a, a, a federal judge's ruling in New York State, um, uh, the circuit court's decision, uh, to allow the restrictions on guns, the draconian restrictions on guns, um, uh, to go forward that New York New York enacted in defiance of the uh, the Bruin decision from um, June that affirmed that there is a constitutional right to carry a gun in public to protect yourself. New York doubled down in its opposition to that and brought in a law in September uh, called the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. And it's been batted around and, you know, ping, they played ping pong with this law in the courts. And right now, the current ruling is the, the federal circuit court um, said that Governor Hochul in New York can enforce the law. And, uh, and the Supreme Court said, well, we're not going to intervene right now. Um, but Justice Alito, uh, along with Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, Justice Samuel Alito said, at, at least put out a note saying this is not the final word on this matter. And it's because of where the legal proceeding is right now that they were not going to intervene. And that doesn't mean they won't intervene again in the future. As the, as so, the, as the case kind of wins its way through. Matthew Vader. That's right. As it percolates through the system, they may get involved. And they gave that assurance, but they didn't give that assurance in this case of Monica right. Toth and, you know, not filing uh, paperwork right. on the foreign bank account. I'm running, I'm running way late, but you can go to uh, the Epic Times, the EPOCH, the Epic Times, Matthew Vadim uh, covering the Supreme Court. Matthew, thank you, and we look forward to having you back again. Yeah, happy to do it. Talk to you again soon. All right, take care. Glad to have you with us on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Secretary of State is going to be with us, Jay Ashcroft. Uh, and that all comes up in just a few on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. Good morning. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is uh, 25 minutes after 9 o'clock, and uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be with us in a few minutes. Legislative hearing yesterday on women's sports, and he's going to weigh in on the debt ceiling debate. <laughs> with, well, I think it's a pretty common sense response, but we'll get to that in about 10 minutes. Uh, but as long as he's talking about women's sports uh, and men in women's sports, uh, Brian uh, cleaned this up a little bit, uh, but it is, uh, it is a guy who definitely needs some mental help. Apparently, he used the men's restroom. 
Well, this was lovely. I had a neighbor confront me for using the women's restroom. I lived here for four and a half years. Everyone should know that I'm a trans woman. I've always been known as Kaylee. I've always used she, her pronouns. I've been having some stomach issues because of Trulicity, and I'd use the bathroom real quick, and they're single-use bathrooms, and it's the only place that I feel safe using the women's bathroom. Well, I got done and got out, and this neighbor was talking to another neighbor and started pointing out the sign. I knew exactly what she was talking about because there's a big old woman's sign. And I'm like, is there a problem? She's like, yeah, you're using the woman's restroom. You're a man. And I said, I'm a trans woman. And she's like, no, you're a man. And she kept saying that over and over. And then I, and she kept saying, you're not a she, you're a he. You shouldn't use it. You should, you're born a man. And just over and over. And honestly, I just lost it. I just lost it and just started screaming. and swe- I, I just couldn't handle it. I just, my, this is my home. This is my safe place. I should be able to use the restroom. The, the apartment manager knows I'm trans. Everyone knows my name is Kaylee. And then my group of friends, I thought my friends were all starting to yell at me saying I escalated and because she had two kids. I, I didn't even see the kids. They were there and I just lost it. Fight, fight, or freeze, and I fought. Oh, jeez. You know, the, the stupidity of all this is just so irritating. Oh, the apartment manager, you know I'm a trans. Well, we know you're a trans because you're a damn guy wearing a wig and falsies. Not Can I offer a transgender tip as a public service announcement today for this gentle person? Does it have to do with, uh, say, shaving? Yes, it does. Uh huh. As a matter of fact, I was just going to say, if you are trying to convince others that you are a sex that you're not, you may wish to like shave your whiskers before you try to parade yourself as a woman. Yeah, you know, just saying. <laughs> it might help a little bit. I always wonder just how far they go. I mean, do they refuse to use a urinal if they're stuck in a men's room? Did I? I, I don't know. Uh, they, they, there. We had that story a couple of weeks ago about this guy who was using what was a tomato juice and something uh-huh. to pretend he to was simulate his uh, period men, menstrual cycle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how <laughs> mentally you're screwed up. You're a flipping mess. Go get some help. You are not what you think you are. But oh no, no oh, no, they 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 get upset. I mean, he is he's literally he's he's blowing a cork. Uh, I don't know what's the anyway, we'll we'll talk to uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft about um, this hearing on uh, women's sports because I think it's so patently unfair. That some young lady works her way through grade school and high school, struggling, working out when her friends are out playing, uh, doing everything that she can to excel in her sport, only to find that she's competing with a guy in a tutu who's, uh, you know, got superior upper body strength from genetics, who beats her. You know, it's one thing if another girl beats her, beats her. If it's two women competing, that's fine. Uh, but this, just because it's in my mind, it's real, mentality is crushing their dreams. It's taking away possibilities that that would exist uh, in, you know, getting scholarships and everything else. And I don't know why the left doesn't stand up for this. What the hell is the matter with you people on the left? You're ruining lives, literally destroying lives. Getting these kids surgically altered because 
you think they should? It, it just baffles me. Anyway, uh, Secretary of State Ashcroft next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 935. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is on board with us uh, this morning for this segment of the program. Uh, there was a legislative hearing yesterday on women's sports, and and I just expressed my views on this. I just think it's so unfair to young ladies who are working so hard to get ahead to maybe get a scholarship and end up having to compete with men. Um, it, it seems it's insane. Uh, Mr. Secretary, welcome. What uh, what came of the hearing? You know, unfortunately, I don't think anybody's minds were changed. Um, and sadly, I think it was a lot more acrimonious than it needed to be. Um, I started off when I, I gave my statement as a father of four. that I, And I started off by saying, I think everybody there was trying to find the best way forward to support kids and, and make sure that every Missourian could be their best. But, um, you know, unfortunately, I just... Uh, I'm not sure that a lot of good was done with the discussion, and that's unfortunate because I truly believe that everyone there wanted to make sure that every kid, theirs or someone else's, could participate. We just had disagreements how to best make sure that uh, children could per- participate on an even playing field. Well, I just think that, uh, and, and women really are the ones who can, who can turn this around because they're the ones at the great disadvantage. But I think, you know, you get some kid who's in grade school and she has this dream to compete in some athletic endeavor. And when all of her friends are out playing and, and watching movies and video games, she's exercising and practicing. And and finally, uh, she gets to the point where she might win a scholarship. She could earn something. And she finds herself competing against someone who genetically has superior upper body strength. Um among other advantages, uh, including uh, lung capacity and more, and her her dreams get crushed. I just don't think that's fair. It's not, and it's not what we should want. And, you know, sports aren't just about winning. There are a lot of good aspects to sports, but we've all probably, maybe not all of us, but I've been on bad teams mainly because I was on them. And when you're just getting a tar beat out of you and it's not at all competitive, it, it takes away a lot of the fun. And, you know, part of the problem was last night we had individuals that didn't want to believe that um, – at certain times in development, or after certain times in development specifically, men have an advantage when it comes to, to athletics. I mean, we've all seen the stories about the U.S. women's soccer team losing to, I think it was an under-15 boys team. And it wasn't even close. And that's nothing against those women. I don't want to in any way impugn those women. We all have strengths and weaknesses. But like you said, the, 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 the respiratory capacity, the muscle density, uh, the, the bone strength, just height and total mass, it's, 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 it's not the same. And um, it was kind of interesting to me because we had one individual uh, that mentioned that, yes, there are differences between men and women because, of course, women can only are the only ones that can actually have a new life growing in them. 
And I, I really wanted to say, so you suddenly agree that it's life now and <laughs> you believe that only women can get pregnant? I mean, that's movement. And then she said, but there's no difference between men and women in, in athletics. And I just... You know, I think that the politics got involved way more than it should have last night instead of saying, how do we make sure every child in this state has the opportunity to participate in athletics in a, in a good way that helps them to be the best they can be? That's what it ought to be about. Well, legislatively, is there anything that can be done to protect these young ladies? There, there is, um, and I do think the House will pass out a good bill. I think they will pass out a bill that, that protects women's sports, that makes sure that everyone that wants to participate in sports has a place where they can do that. So we're not saying because of this or that you just can't play sports. I don't think anybody agrees with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it does in the Senate. Uh, because there will definitely be people that stand up in it. But I, I hope that um, eventually we will just say, look, we're going to protect women. We're going to protect women's sports. It's what we ought to do. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, there are a couple more things that uh, for, I want to jump on the debt ceiling thing because the uh, and, and I know this is federal, but it, it will affect all the states. It will affect all of us. Republicans who are concerned about the national debt and the spending are trying to get some kind of compromise out of the administration on the debt ceiling. And uh, the, 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 main, the line that we keep hearing from the administration is the money's already spent and we need to uh, make sure that we pay the bills. And there's going to be no, no negotiating. Well, what do we do? you know, A, you better jump on the ceiling quickly because it does continue to rise. And I don't know if you'll be able to jump high enough if you, if you don't do it quickly. But Republicans aren't against paying debts that we've incurred. Republicans are against continuing to do things that are unsustainable. Uh, you know, Democrats like to talk about sustainability. Well, here Republicans are saying this is unsustainable. This is a problem for your kids, your grandkids, and mine. And we're not against paying for the debt. The debt will be paid for. But if we don't get a handle on it, we will not be able to pay for it at some point. It won't be a political decision that, hey, we need to figure this out. It will be, it is impossible. And it's not wrong for someone on the train when the trestle is out and you're speeding toward the ravine where everyone will die to say, stop, when the conductor says, but we got to get there on time. We've got to stop. We're heading for a crash. And it is, I, I, I can't understand it, the, the stupidity and the, the willful ignorance of the people that don't want to do anything about it. I think part of the problem that, that we have here, uh, Mr. Secretary, is <laughs> that the Republicans had the House, the Senate, and the White House, and they didn't stop the debt ceiling increase. Now, all of a sudden, they're out of power, and they're all concerned about it. Seems a bit hypocritical. Oh, I would say it's more than a bit hypocritical. Um, everybody up there is responsible for this. Maybe there's two or three that can say they weren't, um, and at least be close enough to, to not being responsible to lie about it. Um, I talked to my dad, uh, who obviously spent some time in the U.S. Senate, and he talked about uh, a time when he was up there when he said it, we were close enough to balancing the budget that we could lie about it. We didn't really balance it, but we were close <laughs> enough that we could lie about it. Uh, everybody up there has, if you will, metaphorically blood on their hands, 
but we either can meet the challenge that we have and admit that we have a problem or we can just push it on down the road where it's going to be a bigger problem and we're going to be less able to deal with it. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Uh, by the way, I would love to have your dad come on. Does he still do interviews? You know, he doesn't do many, but I'll, I'll, if, I'll reach out to him. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'll do you one better. I'll reach out to mom. <laughs> That's it. Dad's coming on. <laughs> that oh, I know better. how that works. <laughs> All right. Uh, finally, uh, the last uh, the last thing that uh, I want to get to, uh, and we've covered this on the program in the past, the initiative petition legislation reform. What direction are they going? Um, I don't think they know for sure what direction they're going. I'd say on the constitutional side, there are two main uh, ways they're looking at it. There's been a lot of discussion in committees uh, in the last week. I think one thought is, to raise the vote threshold that's necessary to pass. I'm not a big believer in making it harder to put something on the ballot because I think it's virtually impossible to put something on the ballot as a grassroots, just Missourian thing. And it should be a right for Missourians to be able to use, not just out-of-state special interest. The other idea that I'm seeing get a lot of traction on, it's a little bit more difficult to explain, but I think it's a really neat idea, is maybe we keep that you have to just have a simple majority of votes, but it's a concurrent majority, like the uh, presidential system, where it has to be 50% plus one statewide, and then it has to pass in a majority of senatorial districts or a majority of House districts to say, if we're going to put something in our Constitution, we want to make sure people generally agree with it, and it's not just one area of the state that's imposing its will on all the other areas of the state. Yeah, I I agree. And having uh, struggled mightily to get uh, a, a an issue on the ballot uh, in Missouri, um, I know just how challenging that can be. And it's it's really irritating uh, that some big union, uh, teachers union, or somebody else uh, has millions of dollars and and can do it at will. Uh, citizens have to struggle to make it happen, getting enough signatures. I think that's a challenge enough. I think it's the vote that has to change. I think you're, you're on it. You're, you're, you know, you're, one of the things we've suggested is um, maybe even decreasing the percentage of signatures you need in, in the congressional districts, but making you have to get those signatures from every congressional districts. So the idea isn't to increase the total number or maybe even decrease it a little bit to make it easier for Missourians to do it but make sure that you have to be talking to Missourians in every area of the state also. I agree. Mr. Secretary, thank you for being with us uh, on the Gary Nolan Show. Thanks for having me. I'll hang up and listen to you. Have a great day. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, oh, Lord. We got a murder case that uh, we're going to cover in the next few minutes. She shot her husband. He was in the hospital, and she shot and killed him. And the question is, what do we do with him? There's a bit of a moral dilemma in this. It's not as cold-hearted, murderous uh, a story as it sounds. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. Coming up in a few, Dr. Murray Sabrin is going to be with us. Uh, he is an economist uh, brought here as a child uh, and really a remarkable success story. Uh, but he and I will uh, talk about his Substack column in just a few minutes. 
Uh, in the meantime, we've got a... Uh, you know what, Brian? I'm almost not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if I should do this right now. Yeah, we're running kind of short on time. Is this one yeah. of those topics that might really get a lot might of people... be a problem to get yeah. wrapped up in, uh, in seven minutes. So... Um, I think I'm going to I'm going to call an audible here and uh, go with Kevin McCarthy. Oh, that was good. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh Kevin McCarthy uh has decided there are some Democrats that simply don't belong. You just raised a question on uh pardon me. On uh, uh some committees. And he just really rips it here. Uh, this is Kevin McCarthy. You'll have to listen because he talks about several prominent Democrats who screwed the pooch and really should not be on some of these committees in the House of Representatives. You just raised a question. I'm going to be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the Intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI, he came out ahead of time and says there's no intel to prove that, and he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not, and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, he said he, he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel, because it goes to the national security of America, and I will always put them first, all right? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the intel committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing. So I do not believe he should sit on there. that committee. And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. So this has nothing to do with Santos. Santos is not on the Intel Committee. But you know what? Those voters elected Schiff, even though he lied. Those voters elected Swalwell, even though he lied to the American public, too. So you know what? I'll respect his voters, too, and they'll serve on committees. But they will not serve on a place that has national security reverence because integrity matters to me. That's the answer to your question. <laughs> You know, I think... I McCarthy wish he would tell us what he really thought. Yeah, he yelled back, sugar-coated. I wonder if that vote uh, for Speaker is responsible for him having the testicular fortitude to do what he's doing. I wonder if everything that they, you know, lined up has forced him to be the Republican Republican should be. 
Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I do, yeah. Like, if they hadn't done this, would he have been so outspoken? Like, maybe those were part of the conditions of uh, securing a vote or two? Like, he has to do what the Republicans have been promising to do. Otherwise, he's in trouble. Right. So he's, he's, he's almost being forced to be a real conservative. You know, I don't know how far it goes, but I uh, there's a part of me that thinks that was an even greater success than I imagined it was, because he he now has to toe the line. Uh, he can't uh, he can't split the baby in two. I'm just kind of wondering if Adam Schiff ever showed the American public the uh, proof of Russian collusion that he had that. Uh he was saying that he was going to bring out. I I have missed it. <laughs> you missed it, yeah. yeah. You miss a lot of things the left say. Um, it, 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 it's clear that, that he lied. But it's an end justifies the means mentality, which I've demonstrated re- just repeatedly is the way Democrats work. Whatever it takes, the end justifies the means. Harry Reid was the prime example. Got on the floor of the... It, it lied. Outright said that that uh, uh, what's his name uh, Mitt Romney Mitt Romney had cheated on his taxes, and he had proof and and blah blah blah. And later on, when it all you know, when the election was over and he was asked about it not being true, he said, "Yeah, but it worked, didn't it?" That's their mentality. That's the perfect example of their mentality, and. That's what they were doing. Let him prove that he has paid taxes, because he hasn't. I don't regret that at all. Some people have even called it McCarthyite. Well, they call it whatever they want. Romney didn't win, did he? I mean, that is their mentality. Dr. Murray Sabrin, remarkable uh, economist, he's uh, written a piece, his Substack column, What Adult Should Learn by the Time They're in Their Late Teens. Um, All adults, he says, need one important skill by the time they reach adulthood. If you have it, your life has been more successful than other adults who haven't mastered it. Um, what What is that one thing you should learn? What is that one skill you should have? Brian, do you have any idea? You want to take a stab at it? Uh, I'm at a loss. You're at a loss? Yeah. Well, then I guess we're going to have to wait for Dr. Murray Saber. I know. To find out. Uh, anyway, he's coming up at about five after. Uh, and then we have a, a murder case to discuss. And this, uh, <laughs> this is not so simple as it sounds. The woman literally executed her husband. That's coming up a little later in the program on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show 